0: Welcome to the AOL podcast. Let's dive right into this
1: week's message. All right, hey, I'm so glad to see everybody here tonight uh, for Bible school, and uh, so we're, I'm excited about the the study that we're going to do on uh, the book of Revelation, not Revelations, but the book of Revelation, and we'll uh, get into it here real, real good here in just a moment. Uh, but I want you to, I, I, I'm thankful that y'all are here and interested in the, in the study of the Word, always, you know, any, anytime we can get under the Word and study it and learn more about it, then we're improving ourselves and we're improving our relationship with Jesus Christ because we act and, and uh, look more like Jesus the more we know about Him, right? So, uh, glad y'all are here. And uh, I just want to say a, uh, just a couple of things right quick before we actually get into it. Um, notes. If you haven't got notes, there's a note uh, stack back there. You can get those. And I want to say something about the notes. The notes to me are important because um, what, I, my, what the expectation of our Bible study on Revelation is, uh, is a study, but it's, it's, it's not a study from you just listening to me and what I read or talk about or say. It's, it's more of a study for you and there's a lot of Scripture in there, and the Scripture needs to be, uh, you know, you can't cover everything around that particular Scripture verse or passage. So my expectation, our expectation for Bible study is to take the notes back with you, spend some time in the Word, look uh, look at those Scriptures that are, are written out, and uh, be sure and go back and and uh, read them in the full context of where they come from, where they're at, and uh, what they are um, trying to show because you can't you can pull a scripture out but until you get the full context you know i would suggest reading a chapter before and a chapter after as most people do and that way you can uh probably get the full context of what's going on there and uh, and that's what we what it's all about is the context so take that be like the berean christians Uh, don't just take my word for it but uh uh go to the scripture and study the scripture and and uh read what what the bible says about it and uh It'll help you out in in that regard, uh, and then uh, as we go through this, I pray for a little grace from y'all, because I don't have all the answers. The Book of Revelation is a is a very uh, wonderful book, and there's and there's many many commentaries and studies written about it, and a lot of various uh, and some of them are different than others, but. Yeah, there's so much to it that there's no way you can cover it uh, in, in a in a concise Bible study like we do or like it, I mean it's going to take a while to do this one anyway and I hope you' all are in for the for the long haul because uh, it'll take a while to get through it and we're not going to try to rush through it we're going to try to get as much done as possible and study as much as we can uh, until you know it comes a time to, to break or whatever like that but uh, we'll we'll try to get through it uh, I know the when I taught it before with our, when we had a small group, um, Bible study group, it, it took like a couple of years, or three years to, to get through it, and uh, I think we had 46 lessons in it during that time. Of course, we were, they were shorter, and so uh, it took a little while longer to get through it. I'm going to hope to reduce that by a considerable amount. It won't take uh, 46 lessons to do it. I'm sure, hoping it won't anyway. So, anyway, grace from y'all to know that I I don't have all the answers but the book does. The Bible does have all the answers and that's what we're going to go about go through and try to get the answers out of the out of the Bible and, and see what it presents to us and hopefully we'll uh, we'll learn something in the process and and uh, develop into stronger Christians and uh, you know the main thing too is to look at this is uh, we're living in a in a in a in a time when it looks like revelation is unfolding right before our very eyes. And it may be and it may not be. I'm not going to say dates and things like that and say, well, because we're living and we see all these things going on, it's got to happen within the next few years. I, there's no way you can set a date on that. God's grace is always out there. God's mercy is always out there. And who knows, things can change for a while. But um, the thing about it is you need to know about Revelation. The book is, is mostly it, it, of course, it pertains to Christians, and and uh, what we'll get into the, that later. But just to keep in mind, it's a book of hope. It's a book of of uh, of uh, telling us what's going to happen. And and uh, the thing about it is, we've read the end of the book, so we know it's a good book. We know the, that we win in the long run, but God wins, and that's what we're going to see in this in this regard. So um, it's not something to be scared of. It's not something to be worried about. The thing is, it's something that we need to be. Uh, it, we need to be, uh, have a sense of urgency because we see these things happening. We see what's uh, predicted and prophesied in the book, book, and that should give us a sense of urgency to say, uh, we've got to do our job. We've got to get our loved ones saved. We've got to get people around us saved and do the best we can uh, to uh, spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's, that's the whole point that uh, I want to say about that. So anyway, uh, it's going to be good. I believe it's going to be a, a good study. And uh, just bear with me, there's a lot of reading, a lot of scripture, and uh, it, we'll, uh, we'll cover as much as we can, and, and uh, if there's questions, we can take questions at the end, or whenever there may not be questions, it may be, uh, maybe you don't have questions, but we'll, we'll see as it goes, how it unfolds, and, and uh, I'm glad y'all are here, I'm excited about it, are y'all excited about it? All right, well, let's start off with our, uh, let's start off with prayer, Okay. And then we'll do our declaration over the Bible. Well, Father, we just come before you tonight, Father, and we just thank you that you're here. You're here amongst us. And, Father, we just thank you for your presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And to Father, Father, I just pray that your Spirit would lead us into all truth as we study your Word, as we open it up and we dig into it and we see what you have to reveal to us through this book. And so, Father, I pray that you will walk through uh, with each uh, word that's spoken, every uh, th- subject that's covered, every uh, verse that uh, we get into, every uh, trail that we go down, every, um, just every symbol, every meaning, all the things that we're going into, Father. I pray that uh, your Spirit will lead us into all truth. Because we turn to you, Father, we know we can't do it on our own, we know we can't understand, we can't even un- believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior without the Holy Spirit. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here, being our interpreter, and leading us in the direction we need to go. So, Father, I pray for grace tonight, for the words of my mouth to be spoken, to be totally in alignment with your word and your will for this evening. I pray that you will teach me as I as I try to teach, and that I will learn and, and grow and uh, be more like you in all the things, and Father, also to have the, the sense of urgency to to know that our time is short. Uh, we should be looking and expecting your return any day. There's nothing to stop you from coming, but Father, we just, uh, we just look forward to that, and Father, as we do the study of your word, the main thing we want to do is keep you lifted up, highly exalted and extolled and above all, Father, so we can praise you and worship you during this process. And we thank you for it, I pray for for every person here tonight, Father, that they would have the same idea in mind, that we want you high and lifted up. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's hold our Bible up and make our declaration. If you got the word, I hope you brought the word, and I hope you brought notes and a pencil or a pen or something to study with or write with because there might be things you might want to write down. So this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. I'm I am about to be taught from the everlasting I forget that part every time. The everlasting incorruptible word of God. And I will never be the same again. Never ever be the same again. Amen. Hey pastor, I didn't see you slip in. You slipped in under the radar, didn't you? All right, let's let's get right into it. And uh, so let's let's uh, just start. I want to read the first chapter of Revelation. It's a lot of word, but uh, let's cover it, and we'll get right into the teaching. Okay, start with Revelation 1, uh, verse uh, all the way through uh, 1 through 20. And I'm going to try to avoid like (laughs) Pastor Travis has had the honor of having Dr. Charlie correct him so many times of Revelations. It's not revelations, it's revelation. Okay, verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place, and he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. Verse 4, John to the seven churches which are in Asia. This is what John is writing or is going to write or being spoken to. Uh, Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. From From the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. Uh, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever amen behold he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him even those even they who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him even so amen i am the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end says the lord who is and who was and who is to come the almighty verse 9 i john both your brother and companion in the tribulation of the kingdom and the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit of the Lord on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. And then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, in the midst of the seven lampstands one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. Excuse me. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars out of his mouth, went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive evermore, forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of, the, of Hades and of death. Write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. Now, that whole package right there, that whole passage, there's a multitude of, of things in there that we, we need to get into, but we're we're gonna we're gonna stick with kind of the uh, the ground rules for interpretation as we get started. So uh, we're, we'll have time to open all of this up and, and get into it. But uh, the book of Revelation is easily the most sa- fascinating book in the entire Bible because it gives a detailed description of the future. Most people want to know and are very interested in what is going to happen to them and to their loved ones and what the future holds for the planet and mankind in general. The book of Revelation not only answers. These questions, but gives the answers in great detail. It not only answers questions that are unknowable from any other source, but at the first as the first line in the in the first verse says above, it informs us that it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And as we go into this book, we must keep in mind that this is the first and most significant rule of thumb, or the hermeneutic, that's the rules of engagement or the or the understanding of interpretation in the interpretation and understanding of the book of Revelation. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ, the Apocalypse. The original Greek title of the book is the Apocalypse, meaning this is what Apocalypse actually means, is the uncovering of what is hidden or what has been veiled. And although it includes these things, it is not all about the Antichrist or all about all of the evil and horrific judgments and events that happen. It's all about Jesus. He is the focus and subject of the book. So our goal in this in this Bible school will be to follow that mindset in all that we study. The main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing, and Jesus is the main thing. Keep that in mind all the way through this. We're always talking about Jesus, and more on that at the end of the at the end of the message tonight, or at the end of the study. But as a matter of fact, this should be the main key of understanding uh, throughout the entire Bible. Colossians one. Verses 16 and 17 says, "For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. By him, for him, through him, before him, in him. That's Jesus. Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 9 and 10." Says, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Mystery, it's not something unknowable, but it's a truth that only can be known through revelation. As God reveals it, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. You're going to know things. You're going to see things. It's like you 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 wouldn't couldn't know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior unless it was revealed to you through the Holy Spirit. That's why salvation is so precious, right? It's because it's been revealed to you. It's something because it's been revealed to you. It's something you can never you can never forget. And let me just say uh, as we go as we go through this, just another kind of a side note here. Uh, talking about that, you know, like I said earlier, we're we're living in the times when we think uh, we are living in Revelation time, and uh, it sure, certainly looks like that. But I look at these times as 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 uh, as what we're living in, the time that we're living in now, as a as we see the things that are going on, all the evil that's taken place, all of the uh, demonic uh, things that are taking place during this time. Uh, I would say we're we, and you probably, you might agree with me, maybe not, I don't know, but I would say we're living in the prequel to the to the revelation time, right? I mean, this is the preparation time. This is the time, and and I thought of this just on, on the way over here, and this, like, you might not agree with this, and I'm not trying to insult anybody in here, but it's like right now with all the things that are going on, uh, there's, and we'll see as we go through this thing that there's there's certain things that can't happen until certain other events happen, and so we can't say that we're, we're, Living totally in Revelation time because there's certain things that have got to happen before their full uh, fulfillment of, of uh, most of the the Book of Revelation. But I was just thinking about this. You know what the devil is doing right now? What the what the world system is doing right now is he's he's uh, all these things that are going on with the with the uh, the control methods they're using and the uh, pandemics that we've seen. And I know that's a touchy subject, but I look at this as a to me it's it's something that right now I think we're we're being used as the crash dummies for the real thing when that happens in in Revelation, you know. So how much can how much can people take and how much does it take to control the masses? And, you know, so he's seeing that right now. We're seeing that right now, that it's uh you know, there's a lot of sheep out there. So anyway, that's just a side note. I wanna throw that out. But it's it's you know, like are we the crash dummies for the for the uh time of the revelation? I don't know. That's why you gotta get your You've got to get your, uh, your uh, salvation in place, your, your relationship with Jesus in place, so you don't have to go through most, most of it. So as we study, even though we see all the things involved, it's all part of the revealing of the ultimate purpose of God and the ultimate plan for man. And as we see the descriptions of the depths of the depravity of fallen man in this book, we will at the same time see the magnitude of the manifestation of the glory that belongs to God alone. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, and the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's the glory of God, is Jesus made made in the flesh, the word made flesh in the, in the form of Jesus. Isaiah forty two, eight says, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. Do we use any carved images today for our do we have idolatry in this world today? Yes, we do. So as we go forward, this is the way to focus on what and who the book of Revelation is all about. The main thing, again, is to keep the main thing, the main thing. And who is the main thing? Jesus Christ. Secondly, this book, this is the only book in the Bible that makes this statement of promise from verse three above. It says, Blessed is who reads. And those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. So as we study this book of Revelation, you can't help but be, be blessed. If you study and read it, you, the, the word promises it's going gonna, it's gonna to bless you. It's a promise from Jesus, and Jesus is the promise keeper. So you're going to be blessed if you just show up and read the word, if you just show up and hear the word and keep those things uh, that are written in it. The book of Revelation is replete with symbolism, hard to understand scenes and events, but if you will stick with the study... Do your homework, pray for understanding, and trust in God's plan. You truly will be blessed with a peace that surpasses all understanding. And that's what I mean. If you'll do your homework, you'll get more out of it. If you'll do your reading, the extra reading that goes along with this and what will will be suggested, you'll get more out of it by being uh, that part of it, doing that part of it. 2 Timothy 2.15, Paul is writing to Timothy. He says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. When he says be diligent, that means put some heart into it, put some work into it. Study of God's word is not something you take casually. It's something you should really put uh, hard work into and really if you want us to understand it. To understand Revelation, you need to be a student of the rest of the Bible. This is why it's important to be diligent in reading, meditating on, and studying the word of God and sitting under the whole counsel of of the word As 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 it is preached from the pulpit here in this house, and also you know when you have your Bible, you have your uh, uh, small group meetings and Bible studies like that. You know every time you get a chance to sit under the Word of God, where you know the true Word of God is preached, uh, you need to take advantage of that. It's it's going to help you. So over half of the book references back to the Old Testament. So that's why I say it's very important that you have a good familiarity with the Old Testament. Read it and. uh, uh, suggestions, up. I wrote suggestions for homework right here. read about read again Genesis, Isaiah, Ezekiel, especially Daniel because Daniel several scriptures and pastors been preaching from Daniel for the several uh, weeks. So there's a lot in there. Daniel's very close and see a lot of the symbolism you see in Daniel, you'll see in uh, Revelation, we'll see that same thing. Then also study Zechariah, Matthew 24, I want you to read that. I want you to read Mark 13. I want you to read Luke 21 to better prepare you for the things we'll see in this study. So, as we go forward, the book of Revelation is generally interpreted uh, by one of these five different ways. I found five. Most people say four, but I I found five. We'll just do a a quickie on uh, the different methods of interpretation or the different views of interpretation uh, of the book of Revelation. First, we have the the preterist interpretation. Uh, comes, you know, end time prophetic f- events were fulfilled. That they're saying, in the if you're a preterist uh, viewpoint, end time prophetic events were fulfilled in the first century. In other words, they believe uh, it comes from the, la- the the Latin word preter, which means past. And so, this is the view that biblical prophecies concerning the end times have already been fulfilled in the past. That the prophecies of the New Testament were fulfilled when the Romans destroyed Jerusalem and the temple in A.D. 70. This viewpoint holds, I, and I didn't write all this down because I was—I I didn't want to—I I just didn't have a chance to at that time. And I'll come back and decided to have a few more commentaries on that just to kind of help study. So you can write down as whatever you can write as quickly. But anyway, I'm trying to give you a little bit more meat on that bone when when we say the first century. The, that the prophecy of the New Testament were fulfilled when the Romans destroyed Jerusalem and the temple in AD seventy. This viewpoint holds that it was essentially that was their judgment day, AD seventy, and they also hold that Jesus's return uh, to earth was a spiritual and not a physical one. The historical interpretation is uh, their viewpoint is that events were fulfilled from the first century to the word of uh, to the return of Christ. Now, what they're saying is. Uh, and most of Revelation, what they're saying is most of Revelation is symbolic of persons and events in world history throughout, that the, that the book was prophetic in John's day, but most of the book has already been fulfilled up to our day. And, you know, there there's examples throughout there that you can say it was a, they say that it was a historic, um, uh, it was fulfilled historically. One of the things uh, one commentator said was uh, like in, in, when we get to it, we'll see it in chapter 9 where it says the, the, uh, the, uh, locust the terrible locust would come out of the and the ter- locust uh, I can't remember exactly what it was but they were uh, the exa- it was one of the plagues or or uh, uh but the locusts that were coming out was actually just uh, symbolic and rebel- and and uh and uh symbolically representing the the hordes of uh Turks from the Ottoman Empire that were um, attacking Europe at the time. So I mean, that's why they were they were using that as as a as saying that uh, these things have already been taken place have already taken place in history, and are not uh, not yet to be fulfilled. Now, then, there's the allegorical interpretation that uh, the Book of Revelation is an allegory, and it symbolizes the battle between uh, the battles between good and evil. In this story, they believe that Jerusalem, uh, in this story of Revelation, as they would call it, uh, they believe that Jerusalem represents the church and Babylon represents the world system. But I think as we study and go through there and use uh, Isaiah 28.10's concept of interpretation, line upon line, precept upon precept here, a little there, a little, we'll see as we put all these things together that uh, the book truly is a literal account of what happens uh, what is going to happen in the future. And, you know, if you don't know what an allegory is, it's a story. Uh, it is a story based on a, on uh, usually between good and evil. A couple of examples of, of allegories would be uh, Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. How many has read Pilgrim's Progress? Anybody remember that? I don't know if you've read it or not, but I mean, it's it's pretty good. Uh, it's a good allegory to read. And then, uh, uh, Moby Dick by Herman Melville is considered an allegory Aesop's fables are considered allegories are stories that have a have a uh, uh, an account to to show you know the difference between good and evil the the triumph of good over evil and things like that Then number 4 was the uh, the Armillennial interpretation where the book represents the seven phases of church history to be more clear about that as far as Armillennial um, uh, the viewpoint of interpretation is highly symbolic, and and uh, look at the they look at the thousand year reign that's described in in uh, chapter twenty as uh, of Christ as spiritual and non-literal that is happening now and represents the seven phases of church history as seen in the letters to the churches in chapter two and three and there's some merit to those that historical representation of church history in those letters but we'll get to that a little later too but basically they're saying. The, the the millennium points to all things that would happen in the church age from Jesus's first coming to his return, and they say that we're living in the the millennial period right now. In other words, millennial one thousand years represents the perfect uh, t- age of um, of Christianity. So we're we're basically to them in that viewpoint, and it's a legitimate viewpoint. There's a lot of people that held that viewpoint. Matter of fact, uh, I read that uh, Augustine, Saint Augustine, actually held that viewpoint, and me, even most of the uh, early uh, church uh, or the founders of the, I mean, the, the ones of the Protestant Reformation were actually held that view of all-millennial, uh, the all-millennial interpretation. And then there's the futuristic interpretation. Uh, events from chapters 4 to, to 22, as they hold as futuristic. In other words, yet to be fulfilled. John is told in verse 19, we read that earlier, write the things which you've seen the things that are which are and the things which will take place after this. The, it's the natural flow of events in the book uh, as we go through there and we'll break it down a little better. But in verse four, you know, we, we see that we see the as we get to it we'll see that, but we see the rapture of the church, the time clock starts back to for Israel and judgments begin on the unbelieving world. And so this is the literal uh, this is the most literal viewpoint of the five, I believe, out of this deal. So the view which we will base our study on, called the futuristic interpretation, is the view held by all premillennialists and dispensationalists as far as that goes. Uh, this view sees Revelation as primarily uh, prophetic. It begins with the revelation of the glorified Christ and the history of the church is given. Then at the end of the chapter 3, the, the church goes to heaven and we see it. Not as the church anymore, but as the bride which will come to earth with Christ when he comes to establish his kingdom. That thousand-year reign John will tell us more about. It will be a time of testing, for at the end of that period, Satan will be released for a brief season. Uh, Then the final rebellion is put down, and eternity begins. This is the viewpoint of Revelation we will endeavor to explore. Uh, History testifies that uh, we have been looking for Christ to come again ever since he left. When you say that was right, are we ready for Christ to come? Boy, wouldn't that be a great day. That is going to be a great day. <laughs> the book of Revelation has six striking and singular features. Revelation is the only prophetic book in the New Testament. Uh, in the, the only prophetic book in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, seven, 17 prophetic books speak of Christ's return. When John, the writer, wrote his gospel, he reached far back into eternity past and said, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's John 1.1. Now, writing the Revelation, he reaches far into eternity future and the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Revelation promises a special blessing to anyone reading the book and a warning for those who tamper with its message. You can read that in Revelation 1.3 and 22, 18, and 19. It's dangerous to say anything to mislead people looking for, to God for help. So Revelation 1-3 says, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. And then Revelation 22, 18-19 says, for I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. 19 says, and if anyone uh, takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life from the holy city and from the things were rich with which are written in this book. Revelation is not a sealed book. It's it's able to be understood. Daniel was told to seal his book until the time of the end. I see Daniel 12:9, you can read that. Go back. I can encourage you to read that, but but John is told to not seal this book for the time is at hand in 22:10. Now I've got those verses here, so we'll just see what they say. In Daniel 12:9 it says Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. And then in Revelation 22.10, he says, And he said to me, Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. And I believe it is. I believe the time is close at hand. Uh, We know at least uh, seven years down the way. Things, the, all these things will take place and within that after it starts. Revelation is a series of visions expressed in symbols that deal with reality. The literal interpretation is always preferred unless John makes it clear otherwise. And then Revelation is like a great union station where the great trunk lines of prophecy have come, to come from other portions of Scripture. We need to understand where each began and how it was developed as it arrives in Revelation. Revelation brings to complete conclusion... What began somewhere else in Scripture, it's critical to a right understanding of the book to be able to trace each great subject of prophecy from the first reference to the terminal. This is why you need to read and have knowledge of the rest of the Bible to understand Revelation. More than 500 times it alludes to or references the Old Testament. In its 404 verses, 278 contain references to the Old Testament. In other words, over half this book depends on your understanding of the Old Testament. So it's very important that you have Daily Bible readings. It's very important that you stay up with those, and it's very important that you go back and read uh, those those books uh, again and again to see what God has in there. So you know, he said, like he said, Revelations like an airport airport uh, with ten great airlines coming into it. The ten great subjects of prophecy that all land in Revelations are these. <clears throat> these are the things we see, the prophetic things we see landing in the book of Revelation. First of all, it's the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the subject of the book. Some might be fascinated with the beast and the bowls of wrath, but the real subject of the revelation is the sin bearer, Jesus. The first mention of his name is way back in Genesis 3.15 as we see the, the part about the seed of the woman. Y'all, y'all can read that on your own, but you remember it's been preached on before. that He is the seed of woman. The church does not begin in the Old Testament. The Lord Jesus first mentions the church in Matthew 16.18. And also, I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. That's familiar scripture. We've had had it preached in here before, and we know. But that's that's where that prophecy, you know, this it's coming to to uh, to uh, land in this revelation also. And then the rever- resurrection and translation of the saints. You see, we we see in these uh, we'll see in these scriptures here in a minute. Uh, uh, revelation teaches that. What will happen to those believers in Christ Jesus who have already died at the time of His appearing? This is great encouragement and comfort to us our, as our reunion with our loved ones is not more distant when Jesus than when Jesus comes for His own. You remember John 14, uh, just a couple of scriptures from John 14, uh, verse 1 through 4. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may all be also. And where I go, you you know, and the way you know. And of course, you go on further, and Thomas says, no, we don't know where you're going. And and uh, that's when Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In verse 6, you know, you know that one very well. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And then 1 Thessalonians four thirteen through 18, you hear this. Preached a lot in, in, at funerals, but uh, Paul's writing to the Thessala- church at Thessalonica. He says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. See, that's a prophecy you can comfort each other. Thinking about that, you know, that's what part of this is all about, is comforting each other with these these words. You know, we're gonna we're going to meet him in the air one day with our loved ones. It's going to be a great reunion. Number four is the great tribulation prophecy we're talking about. It's spoken of back in Deuteronomy 4 where God says His people would be in tribulation. Uh, if they didn't, you know, that was part of the, the, the uh, when He was talking to them, he, and He says, when you are in distress, and all these things come upon you in the latter days, when you turn to the Lord your God and obey His voice. He, what He's saying is when you are in distress... A tribulation, that word for distress in Hebrew is actually tribulation. So he's saying, he's predicting that one day they're going to go through a tribulation, but they're going to turn to him in the latter days and obey his voice. And We'll see that as, we, as, as that unfolds also. And then uh, number five of uh, the prophecies that we see is the rest of, the, of the, what it talks about, Satan and evil. Uh, you can read that in Ezekiel 28, 11 through 18. That You need to put a mark by that, and we won't go over it today. Uh, the man of sin, we can see that in Ezekiel 28, 1 through 10. Uh, both of those are very, you need to read those. And those things, you know, we'll see them as, as we get to that point in the book of Revelation. You'll, you'll see what they're talking about and why it's, why you use Ezekiel to confirm the things and the symbols that you see in the book of Revelation. The course, and end of false Christianity. Uh, actually, the pastor's been preaching on, in Daniel 2. Uh, 31 through 45, you know, where Nebuchadnezzar had his first dream about the the, the image that had um, the gold and silver and bronze and and uh, iron and clay, and uh, so you know that's that's showing him that that is part of that. That's uh, showing the end of false Christianity. Is also Matthew 13 is a parable of the sower where we see there are uh, uh, seeds that are sown that that don't take root. Um, Number eight, the beginning and course and end of the time of the Gentiles. Also seen in in Daniel chapter 2, 37 through 45. We won't go through that part, but uh, you can read it on your own. Also look at Daniel 7 and 8. The Lord Jesus said Jerusalem will be trampled down until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled, uh, as it says in Luke 21-24. But basically what the time of the Gentiles is about is it covers... It's basically talking about the time covered from the time of the Babylonian captivity, I think around 588 B.C. of Nebuchadnezzar, and then it covers from that time to the glorious return of Christ to establish his kingdom on earth. And so we are now living in the time of the Gentiles, uh, for that uh, matter of fact. Luke 21:24, you can see where it says that, and they, they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all the nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So, uh, and then I, I encourage you to go and read also uh, Romans 11, 25. Uh, we, I think we, we'll cover that somewhere else down down the road here pretty soon, but it, it also talks about the fullness of the Gentiles. So, the time of the Gentiles and the fullness of Gentiles, they come together uh, in the book of Revelation. The second coming of Christ, according to Jude uh, 1, 14 through 15, where he says that Enoch spoke of that, which takes us back to the time of, of the Genesis record. Uh, we'll read that, the verses 14 and 15 of Jude. says, Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his, his saints to execute judgment to all on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And then number 10, the number, number 10 prophecy that's going to land in Revelation is Israel's covenants, beginning with the covenant God made with Abraham in, in Genesis 12, 1 and 3. Read that on your own. That, but God promised Israel five things, and God says in Revelation that he will fulfill them all. So Revelation is not a difficult book. I mean, we make it difficult more than anything else, But, it, but sometimes but some try to make it overly symbolic, hard to understand, uh, but it is actually the most orderly book in the Bible. John puts down the instructions given to him by Christ, as we read before. Then it divides itself in a series of seven. No other book in the Bible organiz- organizes itself like that. What we read in, in verse 19 above was, write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. And we'll, uh, we'll break that down even a little further as we go through the different chapters of Revelation and see what it has to say in those different areas. So keep in mind, we're still going through here looking at things that will help us to uh, uh, interpret Revelation and understand Revelation, but keep in mind all Bible prophecy, prophecy is primarily addressed to one of four people groups, um, and specifically in, in Revelation. The message to the individuals, the person is the pastors, and the reference in Revelation is chapters two and three, the letters to the churches. And then, of course, the message to Israel, the nation, the the, the person speaking to is the the Jewish people and we'll see specific things in Revelation's chapter Revelation chapter 7 and 12 about that and then number 3 the the gentile nation nations they will see the judgments and we'll see all of that or a lot of that take place in 8 9 15 and 16 chapters and then of course the church we see that in the seven churches the letters to the seven churches in Revelation chapter 2 and 3 so the apocalypse re- uh, the Revelation reveals God's blessings, judgments for the church, Israel and the Gentile nations. And and for anybody that wants to know, the Hebrew word for Gentile nations is Goyim. Now, you either to the Jews, you are either a Jew or you either a Goyim. There's only two people to them, only two races of people. There's a Jew and there's a Goyim. So, we're Gentiles but uh, we'll we'll get into a little bit more detail about that if we need to. but So this is who it's written to. It covers just about everyone. Uh, Paul wrote this in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 32. He says, Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. When he says Greeks here, he's talking about the Gentiles. So he covers the bases right there, the Jews or Greeks or the church of God. That's the three groups of people, actually, that are addressed uh, throughout the Bible. So here's another way of looking at the book of Revelation and the division of the book by these classes of people in the 22 chapters. You can look at uh, Revelation chapter 1 through 3 deals primarily with the church on earth. Revelation chapter 4 and 5 uh, pictures the church and the Old Testament saints with God in heaven after the rapture, represented by the 24 elders. And then Revelation chapter 6 through 19 deals primarily with Israel under the last oppression by the Gentiles in fulfillment of Daniel's 70th week after the rapture of the church. And we will get into what Daniel's 70th week uh, actually represents as we go through here because it's very important for the, us to understand uh, what that means and how the uh, seven-year uh, period of tribulation fits into that. And, and actually, it's called, it's called that Dan, Daniel's 70th week. Uh, we'll, we'll study that in a little bit more detail. Revelation chapter 20 through 22 uh, refers to all three classes of people, the church, the Jews, and the Gentiles, the earthly Jews, Will be head of all earthly Gentiles, and Christ with the Church will reign over both forever and ever. It says that in Luke twenty-two, verse twenty-nine and thirty, and He says, Jesus speaking, He says, "And I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as My Father bestowed upon Me, one upon Me, that you may eat and drink at My table in My kingdom, and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel." He's talking to the Church, of course. And so these chapter divisions are important. Will help us better understand how God is dealing with specific groups of people during this prophetic time. Now, this is a very important thing we we need to read here and, and probably need to mark. We must not try to merge the nation Israel with the church. God continues to deal with Israel throughout history, and His plan or program for Israel culminates culminates during the tribulation time, also known as Daniel's 70th week. It's also called the time of Jacob's trouble, uh, different things like that, but that's we'll, we'll cover that In a little bit more detail. So to take Israel out of the picture, as even some churches do today, is called supersessionism or replacement theology. Replacement theology is basically saying that the church has replaced the Jews or Israel as God's chosen people and that the nation of Israel is on the same level. uh, God's dealing on them with the same level as all other nations, even in the light of judgment. But you can read a quick read of Romans chapters 9 through 11, That should dispel that theory quickly. This is not to say that Jesus can get by with rejecting the gospel message. On the contrary, John 14, 6 applies to all. Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, that means no one, comes to the Father except through me. But the nation of Israel is still the apple of his eye. That's what it says in Zechariah 2, 8. And so just a few scriptures I want to show that, that shows that God still has a plan for Israel. And you can read, I, I'd like I suggested earlier, extra reading, read chapters 9, 10, 11 of Romans. And, and Paul gives a very good description uh, or a very good uh, spelling out of what's going on uh, with the Jews at this time, uh, during this time after Jesus. For I do not desire, in Romans eleven twenty five 25 through 27, For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own understanding that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be be saved as it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. And then we'll continue with verse 28 and 29. Concerning the gospel, they are the enemies for your sake, but concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gift and gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. See, God made an everlasting covenants with the with Abraham and with the with the children of Israel. They, those covenants will not be broken. Looks bad for them right now, and it's going to be bad for them through the through uh, uh, the tribulation time. But uh, God still got His plan for them. And he said in Zechariah 12, 10, he said, I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. When you read that in the context of everything that we're going to look at in, in Revelation and in, in Israel going through the time of, of tribulation, you'll you'll understand more why that, that, that is a prophetic thing that they're We're seeing and is going to happen in in Revelation. So I thought it important to give a few examples in order to clarify and support our stand against replacement theology. We don't hold that stand. We don't believe that. We believe that uh, God still got something good for Israel. Jesus spoke quite a bit about the tribulation time in the Gospels, but keep in mind context is always very important when reading the passages. When reading passages in the Gospels and the application of that passage to the Jewish people and or to the church. There are some in time things that will be applicable to the nation Israel of Israel that will not apply to the church, because the church will be raptured out of it. You can read about these things in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. These are comments from Jesus about the tribulation, but keep in mind that he is speaking to the Jewish people before the church is formed. That happened in the Pentecost in the upper room. And said, so, so yes, the unsaved Jewish people will go through the tribulation, but keep in mind saved Jews are part of the church. We won't go into that right now, but I'm sure it'll come up later in the study. But context is everything. Who has been spoken to, who is speaking, and the timing of the, event, of the event. So also keep in mind, it's best to look at the event events of the book as in consecutive order, uh, in the order that God gave them, not according to our finite mind, trying to fit events and sequences to our own way of thinking, there are a few exceptions that are more like a flashback in time we'll cover those and note those as we go through the that segment of study but i promise you this will be a challenge at times because of the ways we tend to think because we we think in terms of of trying to put things into the way of our thinking instead of using what the bible actually says about those things and we don't want to do that because we're taken we can't take scripture out scriptures are not uh, i mean they're not to be interpreted on you know your own specific interpretation uh without the rest of the Bible you know in other words the Bible interprets itself and so uh because of the hard to understand symbolism at times but let's stick with the idea of interpretation as we come upon a questionable item we'll address it as best as we can from from what the word the word of God shows us that's the most that's the best method of interpretation stick with the word you know one one uh, commentary uh says this is a good rule of thumb to have to have when you're trying to interpret or, or make sense of what uh, what whether it's whether it's literal or whether it's uh, uh, symbolic. When the plain sense of Scripture makes sense, seek no other sense. In other words, don't try to make something symbolic or spiritual out of something that's actually it's trying to tell you is uh, actually literal. And so most of it will be literal, but we'll see symbolic things in there, and we'll address those things as we uh, come about that time. So, good. Still got 10 minutes, and we've got about a four or five minute video to see. But did y'all get anything out of that? I mean, I know it's a lot of word and study, but I mean, and it's going to be like that. We're going We're going to have a lot of scriptures to read and a lot of commentary to to do, but I believe as you study, and the most important thing is when you go study at your home and you get that own revelation, your own revelation, when you start comparing and seeing the things, how it all fits together, and how the pieces are like a puzzle that are fitting together, and then when that puzzle all comes together, it's going to be the most beautiful picture you ever saw when you see the plan and purposes of God through Jesus Christ for all of mankind. So I picked up I want I want to show a, it's, it's a video, but it doesn't have any pictures on it, I don't think. But it's it's a good it's a good video a youtube video that uh, jennifer will play and uh, since the pastor has been talking about the fourth man in the fire i think you'll enjoy this this is a this is a, a video from that oral roberts or that made several several years ago who
2: is this fourth man i'll tell you who the fourth man is in genesis he is the seed of the woman in exodus the passover lamb and leviticus our high priest in Numbers, the pillar of cloud by day, and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, the prophet like unto Moses, and Joshua, the captain of our salvation. In Judges, our judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, our kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, our trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, our reigning king. In Ezra, our faithful scribe. and Nehemiah, the rebuilder of the broken down walls of human life. In Esther, our Mordecai. In Job, our day spring on high. And our ever-living redeemer, for I know that my redeemer, Who is this fourth man? I'll tell you who he is. In Psalms, he's the Lord our shepherd. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he is our wisdom. In the Song of Solomon, he's the lover and the bridegroom. And Isaiah, the Prince of Peace. In Jeremiah, the righteous branch. In Lamentations, the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, the wonderful four-faced man. And in Daniel, the fourth man, the burning fiery furnace. Who is this fourth man? In Hosea, he's the faithful husband, forever married to the backslider. In Joel, the baptizer with the Holy Ghost in fire. In Amos, our burden-bearer, and died the matter to save. In Jonah, our great foreign missionary. In Micah, the messenger of beautiful feet. In Nahum, the avenger of God's elect. In Habakkuk, God's event angel is crying revive thy work in the midst of the years. In Zephaniah, he is the savior, and Haggai, the restorer of God's lost heritage. In Zechariah, the fountain opened up in the house of David for sin and uncleanness. And in Malachi, the son of righteousness rising with healing in his wings. Who is this fourth man? In Matthew, he's the Messiah. In Mark, the Wonder Worker. In Luke, the Son of Man. And John, the Son of God. In Acts, the Holy Ghost. In Romans, our Justifier. Corinthians, our Sanctifier. In Galatians, he is a Redeemer from the curse of the law. In Ephesians, the Christ of unsearchable riches. In Philippians, the God who supplies all our needs. In Colossians, the fullness of the Godhead bodily. First and second Thessalonians, he is our soon-coming king. In first and second Timothy, our mediator between God and man. In Titus, our faithful Pastor. Philemon, a friend, that stick of closer than a brother. In Hebrews, the blood of the everlasting covenant, and James, the great physician. First and second, Peter, the chief shepherd, who soon shall appear with a crown of unfading glory. In first, second, third, John, he is love. In Jude, the Lord coming with ten thousands of his saints. In Revelation, the king of kings and lord of lords. Who is this fourth man? I'll tell you who he is. He's able sacrifice, Noah's rainbow, Abraham's ram, Isaac's wells, Jacob's ladder, Issachar's burdens, Judah's scepter, Balaam's shilo, Moses' rod, Elijah's mantle, Elisha's staff, Gideon's fleece, Samuel's horn of oil, David's slingshot, Isaiah's fig, police, Hezekiah's sundial, Peter's shudder, Paul's hector's apron, Stephen's signs and wonders, John's pearly white city. Fourth man, he's a husband to the widow, a father to the orphan, to those of us who travel the dark night. He's the bright and morning star, to those who go through the lonesome valley. He's a lily of the battle, the roses share the staff of life and honey in their eye. Who is this fourth man? He's a rock in the weary land. He is a pile of great pride. He is the everlasting father, and the government of our life is upon his shoulder. Who is this fourth man? He is Jesus of Nazareth, the son of the living God. Hallelujah. You already get a shout
1: out of that, hadn't you? He is the son of the living God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You tell me that the book of the 66 books of the Bible aren't about Jesus? All the way through there, right? Well, Pastor, I wish I would have put the one up there for Jimmy Swagger, too. Now, he's the one that could have put that. He is the son of the living God. He <laughs> But I thought I'd use Laurel Roberts. It went with the fourth man in the fire. So I hope you got something out of that. Let's let's close with prayer, and, and we'll uh, and I hope to see you next week. We got the we'll do this lesson number two on that. So Father, we thank you for your word as revealed to us tonight. We thank you, Father, that you are King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and we praise you. We give you glory. You are Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us first. And so, Father, we thank you as we leave this place. We know that we have been blessed by we, because we have read your word, we have heard your word, and we will work upon it. We will work in your word. And so, Father, we thank you for that, and we just praise you and thank you that you're watching over us as we leave this place. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Well, we want to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We pray that you heard from God and that this message was for you. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps us reach more people with this message. Arena of Life takes pride in connecting to God, to church, and to people. And we want to connect with you. So don't forget to check us out on all social media platforms, to check out our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and to download the Church Center app and to choose Arena of Life as your church.